Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Hey watchers, it's Nyan, and welcome back for more strongly held but ultimately pointless opinions on the Watch OK Please podcast. This week, Dan and Jason put together a feedback tasting menu for the show The Bear, which is available on Hulu. As a reminder, my proposed watch order was the first three episodes of season one of The Bear. And as a heads up, we did tag this episode as explicit because our language did get a bit colorful, so the kids might want to skip this one. If you've been enjoying the fake ads over the past couple episodes, I'd recommend checking out a better podcast called Done Disappeared with John David Booter. Done Disappeared with John David Booter is a parody of true crime podcasts, and in season one, intrepid documentary filmmaker John David Booter sets out to find answers in the disturbing case of Clara Pockets, a Pennsylvania woman who went missing in 1987. In season one, John David Booter puts on a masterclass of fake ad reads from podcast stalwarts such as Stamps.com and Squarespace. So if you like fake ad reads, check out Done Disappeared with John David Booter which is available now wherever you get your podcasts. If you're digging this podcast, please subscribe and also rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or just give us a shout on our social media pages. And if you've got a show or movie you want us to watch or just something you want us to randomly mention on air, leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash watchokplease. So in summary, watch, listen, rate, and subscribe, please. All right, watchers and chefs, it's time to get the brigade back together. So back to your stations because we're about to open the front of house for this feedback. Hey, watchers, it's Nyan, and we are back to get Dan and Jason's feedback on the show The Bear, which is currently available on Hulu, maybe on FX, but definitely all on Hulu. Season one's out, uh, all the episodes. So, guys, what did you think about The Bear? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So we were supposed to watch three episodes. I'm in the middle of episode six. I actually got off wow. so that I stopped watching so we could get on and record this podcast here. I'm loving it. I, I think it's fantastic. It's getting more accolades from what I've seen, like as, you know, since we, we originally did the pitch. And so I think it's just picking up steam. I, I can see that, like, I, I want to give it all the Emmys right now, personally. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like it definitely had a bit of a soft launch. Yeah, yeah. You like know, a restaurant. Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, like, like, you know, if you watch a Netflix show, I feel like Netflix will say, this is the show you have to watch. And we're going to keep hammering it on you every time you turn on your TV. This, it just kind of was there buried around on Hulu, and it's sort of actually building a little bit of word of mouth after the fact. And and in fact, I think, Dan, you were the one who mentioned after we started watching it, you were like, oh, it seems to actually now be in the uh, like recommendation bar. Yeah, it definitely hit, hit the recommendation bar, I think, even like before I actually started watching it, too. I mean, so it looks so. I think the algorithm that Hulu uses is probably not too dissimilar to what YouTube uses. It has to do with the amount of people who watch a given program, who've also watched programs that you've watched, and also people who are watching the same thing in your given, I'm guessing, geographic vicinity. So th- there's probably some sort of weird statistical thing they do to say, okay, this is how we're going to promote this, or maybe they have like, okay, we we give 
X number of slots to FX and X number of slots to Fox, X number of slots to something else, basically. So who knows? But yeah, I anyway, I I too indeed love this. I the only reason why I did not get to more than the three was is because I actually I passed out early one night. <laughs> I intended <laughs> to watch a couple more episodes, and so that's the only reason why I didn't watch up to six probably. But I do I do fully intend to finish the first season fairly soon. Nice. Yeah. So Nyan, I I think I'm starting to see a theme because this is the second show you've pitched, you know, with with me on the podcast, and your <laughs> last one was I think you should leave. And when I was watching, I think you should leave. I, I was taking a couple notes, and one of the notes I took was, "This is the shoutiest show I have ever seen." Yeah. And then, fifteen minutes into the bear, I wrote, "No, this is the <laughs> shoutiest show I've show. ever seen." <laughs> yes. Their seeds were just—it's people shouting on top of other people shouting and yeah. it's intense it gives you a headache but it's it's also i, I kind of like that it felt very real it felt very organic you know so many times people will be shouting in that movie drama kind of way where they're shouting but you still hear what everyone's saying this everyone's just talking or not even talking screaming over each other and it just immerses you in what's happening in the scene. And I, I think that's fantastic. I really enjoyed that. I, I really liked the fact that the shouting and the arguing that was going on was almost like I felt Chicago out of it. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it, you know, contrary to say only murders, you know, where we talked about, you know, treating other New, other New Yorkers like dirt, you know, I feel like this was like a little bit more, you know, visceral in some mm. ways. And, and I really appreciated the realness out of that as well. And yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, I do, I do appreciate all the Chicago aspects that get flooded into the show as well. Yeah, I, I want to go now. Like honestly, I just want to go. I've been rewatching it kind of in, in preparation for for the feedback, but I've also just been wanting to watch it again because it's mm. just been so immersive. And in terms of the, you know, the way that they structured the peaks and valleys of it, right? Where where it kind of gets loud and kind of gets soft and the, the way they work through dramatic moments while apparently tagging this as a comedy on Hulu. Those are the things that kind of... It's a comedy? I, I looked at it today when I was watching. Right, in in they air quotes, it. it's a they tagged comedy, it. you know. I mean, I laughed dramedy, a lot. Dramedy, dramedy, yeah. yeah. It, I, I mean, mean, it has funny some, moments, there's good, but... There's some good, li- there's some good lines. There's some good lines. There are. Yeah. But this is, I don't know, in the spectrum of like, like in the dramedy spectrum, I think this is more on the drama, like way more on the drama. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. (laughs) It's like anti-Ted Lasso. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and just as you said, you know, the performances here are stellar. I mean, again, the, the, Mm -hmm. the ensemble together. Each people, each of the you know the main uh, people principles by themselves, all amazing. I just again, I, I really feel so much of the emotion coming from this, and you know, and again, we don't we don't really find out about some of the spoilers. You know, we you know we you know about the from the description, you know, that the brother the brother leaves the business to to Carmia and whatnot, and we didn't need to know more about his death until a couple, an episode in or so, and knowing about that, you know, kind of brings a whole other level of context to things as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the three episodes, and frankly, in the additional two and a half I've seen, too, they are very sparse on background they give you for characters. You get little glimpses that fly by you in a matter of seconds. And 
I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's definitely like something that's interesting in this series where there are times you just don't know what's going on. Right. Even even the 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 whole thing with I, actually I didn't even figure out Carmi's name until I think the third episode. <laughs> like they talk about Carmi, yeah, and I'm like, who? Which one's that? You know, yeah. is that the cousin? Is that yeah? You know, the cousin who's not a cousin, the Carmi, the the brother. Oh, you must be chef. Sugar was, you know. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, well, but they don't call also, each other chef, too, which doesn't help. It's, chef, it's a courtesy. It's a courtesy. Yeah. It's a courtesy. Yeah. Behind, chef. Yeah. Corner. Oh, yeah, uh, I've started saying that work. in the kitchen. Like, it's nice. it's, it's addictive. <laughs> but do, do you, start, you start saying we, chef, instead of yes, chef? No, not yet. I need to okay. get back on my Duolingo game. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Nine's to whip it out en français on the, in the kitchen. There you go. And I can do that in my own home. And that's not sexual harassment. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, so, so speaking of, of food, I mean, we all have, you know, obviously attachments to food and, 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 you know, and Jason talked a little bit about fine dining and related to, to other things in the past and whatnot. And I thought it was very interesting to see a lot of very famous references to a lot of very famous places that, you know, I I've been to a handful of them. And, and it was very neat to see that, but it's also interesting to see how, in the course of these these three episodes, I'm guessing beyond Jason, you might be able to confirm this that there's a lot of the underground stigma as it relates to working in food that a lot of people don't talk about, especially as it relates to. I mean, there is a bit of trauma or almost PTSD that exists sometimes in the realm of food, and there's also a lot of different realms of dealing with harassment and hazing and 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 stress and everything else and and, and alcoholism obviously that goes into this and so i, I mean i felt it, it's not a vehicle for that i understand but i thought it was great that they didn't ignore that when telling the story as well yeah i i totally agree i mean you know none of us i've never worked in a restaurant i assume I don't think either of you have ever worked in a restaurant, right? I haven't. I've got a lot of a, a bunch of secondhand knowledge from a friend who did. He used to work with probably the most famous place I think he ended up working with was uh, Tabla. Mm, so he knew where like Cardos, and he would like he would tell me about. It. Like, he's just cursing constantly. Yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, he said that, he said that guy was amazing to work for and mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I mean, he he also started off like. You know, as he was in the army, became a cook there, and then kind of translated that over. And I think he's been more corporate kitchens, but it kind of tracks with what he's described. I actually just texted the show to him today because I've I've spoken to him forever, and so hopefully he'll check it out, get get to hear his feedback. But it seemed to track with what he described as just constant, constant cursing and yelling at people, Mm. and just having like no filter whatsoever. And I'm like, damn it! And because every once in a while that would pop out with conversations with him, and I'm like. Bro, <laughs> he's like ah, it's like I'm at work again. So, so to, to me, that that rang true, but it's purely based on secondhand knowledge. I haven't had the chance yeah. to work in a kitchen ever. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't worked in the kitchen either. I mean, I, I I was I would say restaurant adjacent, working in you know in cheese at one point, but mm-hmm. that was about it. That's it. I, I was adjacent to it, but I wasn't necessarily part of it. But then, you know, hearing the stories that have come out again, you know, you mm-hmm. you, you name a, a major restaurant group or chef chain there probably was at least one incident that was you know, publicly pushed out there and you know obviously david chang has his you know he was he was trying to kind of go go up against his you know personal demons as well as it relates to his presence in the kitchen so again everyone has had to deal with this either on the on the receiving end or on the giving end i would say in a lot of ways right but or at least it's my understanding from the people i've talked to who do work in the restaurant industry this is what it's like 
-hmm. you get up crazier. I mean, if you look at these hours, they're talking about like getting there at like eight in the morning. Yep. Right. Uh, and then staying at work until nine, 10 o'clock at night. Easy. And then crashing on your couch and doing the same thing again, mm -hmm. six, seven days a week, putting in hours that in almost any other profession, you'd be like, that's crazy. And you're making a fraction of what people make yeah, yeah. in a lot of other jobs doing that. Well, think about it. Think about investment bankers. They work, they'll easily work 12 hour days, but they make literally how many fold more above <laughs> most chefs out there. And they're drunk the entire time. So. <laughs> true. Very true. And, and, but it's also not the physical wear on your body as an investment banker, right? Like this, right. you've got this constant stress of deadlines and time and there's always something else you got to be doing. Yep. And, you know, you're cutting, you're lifting things, you're burning yourself so much of like a physical, you're on, you're literally on your feet that entire time. Mm -hmm. And the physical toll, you know, I, I used to be a teacher and I just remember yeah. just speaking of being on your feet yeah. <laughs> as a teacher all day would like wear me out. And I wasn't doing that until eight o'clock at night. I was doing that until three o'clock. And I just remember I'd get home and be like, man, I don't want to like, I just want to lay and lift my feet up and be done with it. You know, and these mm -hmm. people are putting in double the hours, constant like time, always doing something. It, I don't know. I, it, it's an incredibly tough job. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, that's why it puts such a stress on them. And there's so much uh, substance abuse and, and other mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, they definitely were able to kind of channel that endurance trial that is their their day to day like that into mm -hmm. the series, and that's and I think that you know I, I was really happy. You know, I'm not happy that they're it's, they're going through this, but I'm happy right. that you know for an entertainment purpose that they've channeled something from their life or something from their own right. experiences, possibly even into the into the roles. But then there's a love to it too, right? Like that's which is Actually, why they do it, you know. And once there's not. You know what? Are, what are you doing in there? But you know there is something that sort of makes it more than just yeah. You know a job where you're on your feet all day. It's true. You're making Again, things, and it's you know there's scenes where they sort of show how much they really love what they're making. Yeah, and I mean, how much? Yeah, like, absolutely. They put into it, which is why they put those hours in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife Cheryl has bought so many different cookbooks over time at places we've either been to or haven't gone to. So you know, seeing. The references to uh, Alinea and obviously the French Laundry and then uh, Noma. Obviously, we saw a lot of pages out of Noma that were out there, and it was it was really neat to see these these books. When you look at these dishes, they're like literal works of art. You know, mm -hmm. I think that one scene, he, uh, uh, Carmi says that it took twelve people or thirteen people to put that dish together, and yep. it's like literally people with like tweezers and all these different implements just to get things you know perfectly placed. And it again, it's a work of art, and it's very aspirational. So you're saying, "Wow, I could make something like that." That you know, they could look like that, and also taste amazing. I mean, it's a it's a it's a wonder of the world in some ways. So, and I think what you're saying about that sort of you know the level of detail and the passion and and the and the way it comes through with these characters and that you have to actually kind of enjoy to some extent what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just killing yourself. Reminds me of the UK version of uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Have you guys ever watched mm. that? Yes. Mm -hmm. I've seen I've episodes watched, of that. I, I've either watched all of it or most of it. Yeah. I, I was always shocked at how different it was between the Gordon Ramsay you saw in Kitchen Nightmares in the US, where he just yeah. goes in and yells at people constantly and is just berating everyone the entire time. And then you contrast that with the UK version where he's actually really supportive. Like yes. he's very nice. Like, and yeah. he's like trying to nurture people. It's amazing. That's one of the things that really 
I really enjoyed about the show is that there is clearly a love here. There's some respect, even though people are, are not great to each other at times, Mm -hmm. but there's growth, there's depth. It's interesting. It's not, it's not one dimensional, at least in my view. I don't know if you guys disagree. No, I completely agree. I mean, you would watch characters go from, especially Carmi, Mm, who would definitely alternate between being really supportive, being really frazzled, being really rude and curt with, uh, with people and uh, I think that really worked really well. And you, you could relate to that, right? He's right. not just a straight hero. He's not just a doofus. He's a guy doing his best, which is kind of what all, a lot of us are, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, to, to paraphrase a, a Star Wars quote, I'm just a man trying to make his way through the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Were there any yeah. actors that kind of stood out? Like, who, who would you say was your favorite character or maybe favorite performance? Because there are a lot of good ones here. Boy, yeah. Um, wow. I mean, Jeremy Allen White. Yep. Yeah. You know, really toned down. You know, usually he's more the one like in the middle of all the craziness. Right. But he's got this like steeliness to him that I think really works. And and, and I really enjoyed. Obviously, Evan Moss Bachrock. Yes. I, I hope I said that right. Oy, oy, oy. Um, we'll come back to his character in a minute. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> Cousin Richie. That oh, is, yeah. uh, boy. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> but boy, so much. Ayo Edibiri. Yes. You know, she was, she's great. She struck me particularly because of what I mentioned in the pitch and that I've always, I'm only known her as a comedian doing comedy right. podcasts. Like, mm. I actually listened to a podcast, the, the one I think I might have mentioned on the pitch, Hollywood Handbook. And she did an right. appearance recently, I think after the pitch where they're talking her through it and she's still hilarious. And it, there's such a, I mean, just comparing like her comedic timing on top of what she did in the show. Like it, it's, it's an amazing range. I, I can't wait to see her do more. Yes. I'm very excited for that. I was going to say, she feels like a star to me. Yeah. You know, like you see some actors and you're like, wow, they've got like a star quality that you just want to watch them. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just want to watch her. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, she, she, I think that, you know, the timing, like you're saying, it definitely translates into her delivery because in, in some ways, if you're walking into a, a tornado of sorts, you know, how, what would you be doing? And, and she's trying to kind of, you know, just, she's just as confused as everybody else walking through the, you know, the kitchen, so to speak. But at the same time, she understands everything that's happening in, in, in the area because of, because of her past experiences. And so it was great to see how, even though she's smaller, younger, et cetera, than everyone else there, she is still, you know, has a foundation within her that is kind of navigating through that as best she can. She kind of displays the kind of competency that made me think of um, uh, Claire from Outlander, actually. I mean, mm, yeah. think, I, yes. I, we're just going to qualify, like, women who know, like, are incredibly competent, know what they're doing, just going to have to, they, they'll automatically give me competency boners. Like, it's, it's just, it's amazing. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, you are ridiculously good at what you're doing. This yes. is insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, sorry, it's now so, I'm, just I'm just picturing you, like, watching an interview with Angela Merkel. And I'm just yeah. like, man, she is one competent woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely, it, it definitely may have happened. 
nine, 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 nine just wants nine wants to basically hear it from you know a Sydney type just telling telling him he got the wrong cock. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, I definitely, again, I definitely do like enjoy the rest of the, the characters in the ensemble. I mean, they, they all say kind of really random, kind of almost inane things, you know, in the in the course of everything. You know, whether it's during during family before the before the service or whatnot, it's pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> there was one. So, yeah, I mean, the, 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 one, I mean, we were discussing like, is this a comedy or is it not? And mm-hmm. I definitely don't think it's a comedy, but. From third episode, I thought one of the the better lines was from one of the um, the side actors. Um, it was can't even find. Oh, I think it's Edwin Lee Gibson. Mm-hmm. He has a funny line where they're talking about how they're going to turn everything into a brigade. Yep, and he goes, "I was in a brigade once." Someone else asked, "What happened?" Many people died. <laughs> yes, that was, it was so good. It was it's just so like good. inside, like you could almost miss it, and like I was dying yeah. when he said that. Yeah, <laughs> so many sneaky good lines. It's I know, I know. My, my, my favorite, my favorite one was, um, "I'm going to have a business with a lower success rate than the Chicago Bears." There you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> And then, and then again, we we talk. We have we will go back, and we have to talk about uh, cousin Richie, as as you mentioned, yeah. Jason. I mean, speaking of random lines, I mean, sheesh, food and wine's best new dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> that was that that got me. That got me hard and center. <laughs> that, that whole hardware store sequence, like yes, <laughs> yes, it just goes through the entire gamut of emotions, like between you know the you know, the actual hardware section and then getting back to the car and then the phone call. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's just so all over the place. And also one of my favorite lines, I wrote this one down too. These RB cups are from different visits. And he's like, these amazing. RB cups are from different visits. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't expect company in my car. <laughs> Because my license is under suspension, I wasn't expecting company in my car. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man! I saw oh, yeah. him driving today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I man. mean, I mean, and and, the, and I love the, the <laughs> Devry. We're serious about success. I was like, <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard like that, like commercial or you know, radio bit in a while. So that yeah. database management specialization skills. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that bit yeah. was good, but yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, he had a lot of a lot of you know. Oh, oh yeah, it was the oh, and I loved in the first episode where they where the ball breaker nerds came out from the woodwork there, and he goes out there and he, and he calls them incel QAnon four chance Snyder cut mofos. That was brilliant. <laughs> that was so good because the so entire good. time, like that entire episode, I'm like I, up until that point, I'm like, God, am I gonna have to deal with this guy for like eight, yeah. eight episodes or whatever? And he's incredibly annoying and then just having that turn i was like i love this man now and then yeah. just go back going back and forth between loving and hating him it was just it was delightful and him being yeah. thankful thankful for, for philip k dick oh yeah yeah <laughs> <So random. laughs> I, I love scenes where like there's a character you absolutely hate and then they do something right and you're like oh 100 like, i think of it as like when michael scott actually got a sale on the office because yeah. you're always like primed to believe like Michael Scott has no redeeming values. He's just an idiot. 
Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he just totally nails the the sale with the Scranton uh, town uh, office uh, account. And, you know, I think this is like a similar thing with Cousin Richie where you're just like, why is this guy even here? Mm -hmm. And you get little snippets every once in a while of he's the guy who can make things happen when no one else has got a plan. He'll do everything else wrong and he'll do nothing but screw things up. But every once in a while, you know, he'll like come to the rescue, do the things that no one else will do. And that's why he's there. And he'll ruin everything else the rest of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I just love how he's so quick to jump on the the anti-fine dining train like all the time. It's just, it gets, he's just like what you do in Napa with your with your effing tweezers and foie gras. I was like, yep, there you go. That's, all, <laughs> that's what it's all about. You summed it all up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I wonder what the plan is. I haven't gotten to the end of the season yet. I am wondering, like, what is the vision for this pit beef? I, I call it a pit beef. I guess it's Chicago beef is what they would call it in Chicago. Right. I'm kind of wondering, like, what what is their plan? Because they never really say. Like, they're trying to turn things around and make it profitable. But they never really say, like, my vision for this place is it's a neighborhood restaurant. It's uh, a quick-to-go joint. It's going to be quasi-fine dining. They never really say it. so They're getting there. Okay. I think you won't – I don't think you'll end the season dissatisfied in in that specific regard. Like you'll you'll see kind of where they're going. I actually – when I got to the end, I could – there is an opening for a season two. I Mm. think would be – to me, it it was a Watchmen-like moment. Did you guys watch the the series Watchmen? I did. Yeah. Shoot, I can't pitch it because Dan's seen it. But Jason, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And that's without having seen, like, I could say that without actually even, without you having read or seen the original Watchmen that it was based on, that that Mm -hmm. it's a continuous Mm -hmm. of. But there was just, at the very end of Watchmen, there's a moment that they just end it perfectly. And you could go further, but you don't have to. Mm. And I think they they do a good job with that here. So I don't, I think uh, if you follow this to the end, which it sounds like you guys will, Mm. You you won't be disappointed. Like you'll kind of see where they're going with things. It, it's well, it's an interesting yeah. moment. Well, I, I like I like satisfying endings, especially if, if you don't have a saga type show again, it, which I get sucked into a lot. It just by nature of the v- genres I watch. But you know, having a satisfying ending is incredibly hard to do. Where it basically, like you said, it leaves enough room for possible se- additional mm-hmm. content or seasons. But at the same time, leaves you satisfied enough that you're not basically, you know, wanting to, you know, stab a pillow next year or something like that. So overall, I, I really thought this show was great. But there was one moment where I'm sitting there going, come on, like, please. Uh-oh. And that was <laughs> when Richie pulls the gun out yep. and fires it to get everyone's attention <laughs> and to, yep. like, break up the fight. Right. Yep. Now, I get it. It's dramatic effect. But for the record, for any people listening at home, if you fire a gun, there will be police who arrive. Yes. Especially in front of like 50 witnesses. Yes. You can't do that. You can't be in the middle of a city and just fire a gun. There might be people in, say, Moldova who are listening to our (laughs) podcast right now. Yes. Yes. Who are going, I hear in America, you can just go in the middle of the street and just start firing your gun in the air. You can't do that. You will get arrested. It is very yes. bad to go do that. <laughs> but he just like does it casually. I'm like, okay, come on. You can't do that. Like, yeah. I was waiting for the police yeah. to show up and they never did. So, yeah. 
Same here. I guess no no one ratted him out because they all wanted to go to the uh, the arcade tournament. Ball breaker tournament, right. yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That is an important PSA. I'm glad you pointed out to our folks in Moldova because that, that yes. is a, an important clarification to be made. The co- common misconception about America, yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. another like little nitpicky thing I had was he's apparently worked at every great restaurant in the world, which – I don't think there's a lot of people who've worked at quite that many. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I'm not yeah. an expert. But it was like, yeah, he's worked at the Three. Laundry. Yeah, he's worked at Noma. There was another one you said, too? Well, no, no. She, no uh, Sydney worked, uh, did a, did a, a stage at Alinea. In okay. Chicago, also in Chicago with Grant Ackett's. That one's a little, like, you know, if you've done one that's, at one restaurant, that's a little more yeah. plausible. You know, but, but, like, but you know, he worked. Two, like, they were just rattling off all these restaurants. Yeah, two, yeah. maybe two, maybe three. Are I mean, if you if you're again, if, if you were your best food and wine's best new chef, not dickhead, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then then you might have been able to, you know, maybe get two or three under your belt, possibly, pretty right. quickly. Again, and again, we're talking about you know, you know, stints or stages, or maybe even you know, a couple years in, you know, and some and some people like they they want to go study under underneath someone specifically. So oh, you know. Back in the day, you know, if you could go work with Ferran and Albert Adria in Spain, you would go because that mm-hmm. was the place to be for molecular gastronomy. But again, you know, it, it depends upon, you know, what you, kind of what your focus is. Are you doing more French or New American or some sort of, you know, new kind of exciting new takes on, you know, different types of country or ethnic cuisines? I mean, there's a whole bunch of mm-hmm. approaches out there now that people have. And I think that, you know, I feel like I don't know much about Chicago beef personally, but I think that that, that could be a, a niche kind of category to focus in on if they can deliver on that and see what, to see what that vision is, like you were talking about. Yeah, but yeah, that's, it's a good point. And, and and but I have to ask, what is does everyone else feel the same? Because they seem to, as chefs, they hate brunch. But I think a lot of us, we kind of well, like I think brunch. people who eat brunch like brunch. But I, it's yes. my understanding in the restaurant world, brunch is universally hated. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, even more that like lunch is also kind of pretty hated but like brunch is lunch on steroids yes right right i definitely hear that yeah and, and plus like the, the the timing on everything comes out because you could have a burger and you know eggs benedict going out at the same time right and just timing that right is hard yeah i mean i think the issue what, I, what i've heard the issue is first of all it's early right like you know you may be eating at 11 a.m but you know, to go they gotta be there like five or six, they got to get there at like six or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. To like start making things and prepping. Uh, on top of it, it's just like the most boring, finicky shit, you know? The most, yeah. In case you edit that out, it's just the most boring, <laughs> finicky stuff. Yeah, you know? yes, yes. Well, I'll just leave it in. <laughs> That's all right. That's right. We can do the explicit tag, it's all good. Because we actually say, you know, incel, QAnon, 4chan, Snyder Cup, motherfuckers. What he actually says, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's worth it. See, I'd like to be a great big thank you uh, to uh, his two cats, Ralph and Ralph. <laughs> I totally forgot right. about that. <laughs> that was, Someone didn't write that, right? Like, that, that was, that was fact. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a, uh, yeah, that was fa- uh, facts. You know, he. His, he had said he had two cats and he named them both Ralphs so they, he, would, he would remember both their names. Nice. I'm like, that was just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's lazy, but it's kind of, you know, okay, well, then, yeah, it's kind of easy to remember them now. Yeah. <laughs> he did a good job. I mean, because that's Maddie Matson, an actual chef. Yeah. Yeah. 
I kind of go back to the actors again for a second. There was one person Absolutely. I wanted to. Well, I'll start with Tina, who is actually. Did you guys watch Dexter? I did. No. Just to play a little IMDb bingo, that's Angel Batista's wife in real oh life. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, that's really yes. random. So, oh yeah. Um, Angel Batista was like a, a main character, like throughout the Dexter series. Okay. And so the actor, I think the actor was actually a cop at some point and then be, uh, became an actor. And this is his wife who has been an actor the whole time. I, I don't think I've ever recall seeing her in anything, but the guy who kind of stood out a little bit more was Marcus, the pastry chef. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Because that guy, Lionel Boyce, the mm-hmm. only credits I found for him were a show called, well, the ones that I knew better was from a show called Light Loiter Squad, which have you guys ever seen Loiter Squad? No. I've well, never heard so, of it. So let's compare like what he he does uh, him doing a fairly interesting dramatic turn on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like he'd be a serious actor. He doesn't seem like a guy who would basically be doing a version of Jackass with Tyler the Creator. Which is essentially <laughs> what Loiter Squad was. It was these weird random like Eric Andre, it was an adult swim show. So it was kind of okay. like Eric Andre but with like sketches where people were often like uh, hitting each other on the crotch a lot. So and then he comes from that to do this. I'm kind of impressed with the casting here. Like it's yeah. that they've been able to take folks who are definitely not dramatic actors. Mm-hmm. Going from, yeah. Crotch and, gags to cloth rags. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Like, I know, it's fascinating. It's amazing. I like, I like the way they put this together. Yeah. No, it feels really work. I actually, she was Tina. I, Lisa Cologne, Cologne Zayas, I yeah. think. Lisa Cologne Zayas. Yeah, she was. I, I think she's really good. Yeah, yeah. She does not have the biggest part, but there's just something about her character that just feels so alive and so real. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, yeah. she's like, I don't know. You ever had like worked with someone who's got that, like they're fifty percent motherly, fifty percent terrifying? Yes, you know, worked with many nurses. So yes, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like she would have like the if she wasn't wearing proper footwear in the kitchen. She probably would pick up a chocolate and throw it at you. <laughs> you know, I think that, that definitely no English. Yeah, right. Just, <laughs> don't from episode one where she just leans in over Carmi's shoulder and goes, "You cut vegetables like a bitch." Yes, that was so good. <laughs> Very good, puta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, again, she can, she can be savage if she wants to, for sure. We yeah. definitely saw we definitely saw that in uh, in three, for sure. I mean, again, mm-hmm. I know some of it's hazing, I get, but again, you know, when you're already on pins and needles, it's you're blowing off steam, but the person that's at the receiving end might not be. <laughs> so, true. Yeah, and uh, we also had a, a couple of uh, cameos in, in the midst here as well. Right. And yes. Joel, Joel McHale playing a dick. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good at it. He's yeah, really good at it. Boy. Yeah. He. He. I guess he took a lot of lessons from Chevy Chase. <laughs> hey oh true 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 <laughs> yeah there's Axe. like definitely like he just sort of came out of nowhere maddie matheson he he does show yep. up more in later episodes but oh nice i can't ever watch his youtube channel no, no I, I, have a friend I, who, I, I want to who yeah, always tells you about it i never have i that was how i actually learned who he was uh i'd never heard of him and then i started watching him on youtube and my my first impulse was i'm not gonna like this guy and i love him like nice. he's just a giant potty mouth teddy bear. 
Love awesome. it. He screams all the time. Like, all, like that's the biggest complaint is that people say, I watch his YouTube channel and all he does is yell. I'll probably be pitching <laughs> his YouTube channel uh, in a later episode. There you go. Nice. <laughs> and let's see who else. I mean, later episodes you get. Episode, episode, three, episode three, Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. I was like, what? Molly Ringwald? <laughs> Did you guys do the same thing? Like, I literally pull up my phone and I'm like, "Is Molly Ringwald in the bear?" Yeah, I pretty much went. I went straight to cast and crew episode episode three for the bear on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went straight yeah. there. I'm like, "Up, oh, yeah, there she is." Yep. <laughs> Which is funny in the context of where she shows up. I almost wonder if she's got some. Well, maybe. I mean, you'd assume so. Growing, you know, being part of the brat back in the eighties, there was some level of substance abuse, but she's in another yeah. show where she called single drunk female, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you guys have caught that on Hulu or Freeform. Oh, yeah. I think it might be a Freeform thing. That's on Hulu, Freeform. but it's on Hulu. Yeah. But she plays the mother of someone who's like in recovery and she's there through the whole series. And so I was like, this just seems to be like a theme for later Molly, Molly Ringwald. She'll just be dealing I, with I, the yeah. aftermath of addiction. Yeah. I actually Googled that. I was like, does Molly Ringwald have substance abuse issues? And apparently I was not the first person to Google this. Clearly, It yeah. was a whole, like one of those really dumb thrown together articles saying no, but enough people are like Googling this, that somebody clearly like felt that they'd get some clicks by writing an article about how Molly Ringwald yep. does not have a substance abuse issue. Yeah. Right, right. Cause she keeps like, I guess she just, as you said, like she does that and she does sort of have that, look for some reason i don't know what it was but she was very convincing oh I yeah totally. that i guess she doesn't play a substance abuse she plays the family member of a substance abuse issue. you're uh, saying person. yeah Someone yeah with a substance abuse yeah, yeah that seems yeah. So, that's like that's a weird thing to be typecast as but she's, yeah. Yeah. she's doing it but again she had but she has like a trusting supportive nature i guess you know and then that's that's mm. what you know people open up to her but yeah but she's also got this look that says, I've seen some things. True. Yes. Very true. Yes. <laughs> Most of them involved Anthony Michael Hall. So I'm assuming they're very traumatic. Very traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some weird science, guys. That's some that's... weird science. <laughs> Damn it, Chet. <laughs> but oh, uh, one, one of the Chicago reference uh, towards the end of episode three, they had a giant, giant Malort ad, a drad on there. Yeah. I, I get to try Malort. I'm going to keep staying away from it as long as I can. Because it was bad. It was bad enough that people were doing uh, ironic bartender shots of Fernet in the back in the day. And yeah, I just don't want to start with Malort at this point. So what exactly did I've heard of Malort and I know people say it's quite like it's a strong herbal flavor, right? Right. I, I, so I actually have a bottle of Fernet in my house. I enjoy it. Um, sometimes I cut it with a little vermouth. How does Malort compare? Well, I guess, do you know how it would occur? Because you, you said you haven't actually had it, but uh... I just know that it's like kind of it's kind of like a bitter of sorts. That's about all I know. Mm. And, and, and I just know that it's been, it's been made for like the longest time since like early early Chicago, like early like nineteen right thirties or forties or something like that. Yeah, it's been like, it's like super old. You know, and that's about all I know about it. Yeah. But I, I just know that people like talk about it all the time. And it's like quintessential Chicago. Let's do some shots of alert. I'm like, uh, no. I was gonna say, isn't that one of those drinks that people brought from the old country when they moved to Chicago? I, I think, yeah, I like believe that like sounds they're right. From Germany Cause, or cause, something like that. Because there's, there's a name. You know, there's a name. A local alcohol back. Yeah, there's in a name. It's like in. there's a name yeah. associated. So and so is lower. Uh, I had to look. 
It's uh oh Jeppesen's Malort, and I guess that might be. So like I said Swedish. I think I just saw in, in, in the mm-hmm. snippet I saw. So yeah. So again, it, it's it's a some sort of liqueur, you know, kind of brandy, to, you know, bitter kind of thing. I know someone who actually got a bottle because they were just so curious. They kept hearing about it, and it they just described it as being completely awful, like the worst. <laughs> it was like an absolute torture liquid, to get through. Liquid it. awful. Yeah. Liquid awful. Yes, liquid awful. One hundred percent. You know, you know what we have to do now. We have to get a, a malort. Oh God, do we have to? <laughs> Fine. I think I think try, I think, well, I, think, I, think what I probably should like, do. Well, we have to do an entire episode where we just go in and like compare our impressions of us trying malort. We're, we're gonna get like fernet malort, and then I don't know chartreuse or something like that, and just taste all of them. I've done my time with the the what it was referred to as Chinese fire water at the bar I worked at, but it was just. Just disgusting, like alcohols, like that. I kind of hit my limit because the the guy who owned the place would like pour out shots for everybody all the time, trying to convince them to drink that. And I did it once, and I was like, "This is awful. I could just go to the gas station. It's probably cheaper for me to just drink from the nozzle." But like, <laughs> not anymore. But sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> About a decade. Now we're gonna pour Malort into our cars. Yeah, I, I, I actually saw it. I actually saw it down. I was walking down the street from work today, actually, and there is a sign outside of. One of our local bars, and it says, uh, uh, "Beer here is seven twenty nine a gallon." <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. It hurt. It hurts at the same time, but it's funny. True. It sounds like, guys, overall, you're you're going to press forward with this and if, finish out the season. If there's a season two, yeah. you're on board. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to finish out the season. I, you know, assuming I'm it meets my expectations as I finish the season, which I'm sure it will. I, I, I would assume I would watch any further seasons too. Yeah. Very cool. And, and yeah. And two, two, a couple things I want to close with. Uh, uh, every time they said herd, I had to stop myself from thinking about purd from, uh, from parks and rec. <laughs> so that was, that was one, that was, I, that was a weird problem for me to have because I, no one else probably has that problem, but I do like a lot of the, the, the dream and related other sequences they did with this. Cause it, it is, mm. it, it kind of almost resets everything after arguing or screaming or intense scenes. It kind of does reset things at the beginning or the end of the episode. I mean, I like how the, the beginning of the, uh, the first episode walking across that bridge in Chicago. We talked about setting the scene with mm-hmm. uh, only murders with the cast walking out down the New, York, the New York streets. This is kind of very much the same thing. It was crossing this bridge like in Chicago. It was very quintessential Chicago. It starts with a bear and ends with Pearl Jam's animal at the end of the episode. And like that was just, you know, nice full circle thing going on there. But yeah, got a lot of this, uh, you know, extra, you know, mise en scene and even at the end of episode three where he's looking at that i'm guessing it's lake michigan he's looking at it and, and it was it was really nice to you know him kind of coming to terms on on michael's birthday at there so a lot of great great symbolism a lot of you know scenes even outside of the the chaos that is the kitchen yeah definitely awesome heard chefs appreciate it yes chef we shift that happened folks which uh, brings us to the end of another episode of the watch okay please podcast we hope you had a good time listening to us spout more nonsense today and hope you join us next week for another exercise in utility in the meantime please rate and review us on either apple Podcasts or spotify or just tell a friend about us until next week keep on watching